Welcome to the C3 Church Coffs Harbour podcast. We're glad you're here. We pray that you'll be blessed and encouraged by this so week's good. message. We are um, starting a series called How to Unhurry. And um, it's sort of birthed out of a lot of stuff that Anna and I have been discussing and journeying through at the start of this year. Um, and... and the, the bulk of the content that we're going to be journeying through is from a book called um, The Relentless Elimination, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And, uh, and you're going to see a little bit of him this morning and then Anna and I will discuss um, some of this content on the back end of that. But before we do, I just wanted to, I guess, um, preempt this series. Last week was great. If you can jump online, jump on Spotify, iTunes, podcast, uh, C3 Coffs Harbour, you'll be able to hear last week's message, which was the prelude intro into this series. But essentially, we're just talking about the fact that life is... Um, at a pace unprecedented in history for us. And a lot of that's to do with the technological advancement and different things, and we are, we are hello, connected 24-7 to information and, and deadlines and things like that. But got us thinking, you know, is just because something is good doesn't necessarily mean it's God. And just because techno- technology is good doesn't mean it's God's best for us. And so we have to learn to set the, our own pace for our own life in God's rhythm, not let external or even internal things dictate the pace at which we live life. Um, a study was done, and we shared this last week, um, uh, by the Southern University School of Business and they conducted an obst- obstacles for growth survey of over 20,000 people all across the world, 20,000 Christians they surveyed um, and, and discovered that busyness was the major distraction from the development and growth of someone's spiritual life. Busyness or rush or being in a hurry was the primary factor in people's uh, Lack of spiritual development, if you'd like. Um, And here's what, what his hypothesis was, this guy, Michael Zigarelli. It may be the case that, one, Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry and overload, which leads to, two, God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives, which leads to, three, a deteriorating relationship with God, which leads to, four, Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which leads to five, a more, conform, a more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry and overload, and then the cycle begins again. And um, never before have we, um, I guess, encountered so much positive feedback from um, the church about a series about to enter into and um, I guess it's sort of confirmation to us that what's been happening on the inside of us that we want to bring into the life of the church is really a a scratch, an itch that a lot of us need scratching. Um, We're really hitting on some stuff that that is universal to all of us and that's sort of why at the start of the year we looked at what does Jesus want for my life and I think so often we can run ahead of Jesus thinking we're walking with him but we're actually walking ahead of him and we're going to stop and ask ourselves, what does Jesus want for these particular areas of my life? What are, the, what are the rhythms and the pace of life that he would want me to live at with the life he's called me to live? And so we're going to look over the next four weeks at four things that are going to help us unhurry. And so the first one today, we're going to look at silence and solitude. We're going to look at the Sabbath next week. And then the following will be simplicity and slowness. And so these four S's are just beautiful alliteration. I love alliteration. They're so great. Um, and so today we're going to look at silence and solitude. And so what we thought 
thought we would do is, rather than reinvent the wheel, we're going to hear from the author of the book that's, that sort of exploded all this thought for us in the first place. And he's got um, four short videos each on these topics to look at. So we're going to watch uh, the first video this morning, then we'll discuss on the back end of that. So fix your eyes to the screens. Thank you. It's not a distraction, but rather to let your mind focus and come to rest in your heart. Then before you get started, just a few words of encouragement. One, start where you are at, not where you should be. One of my favorite things about Jesus is he's so gracious just to meet us where we are, our level of maturity, our level of awareness and connection to the Spirit of God, our grasp of reality. He's just so kind to meet us right where we're at and to just with grace move us forward. So just meet God where you are at. Secondly, remember that you can't succeed or fail at this practice. Like, if you're a perfectionist or have that inner perfectionist, I feel you. Just release that side of you. Just let it go. Resist the urge to say, I'm good at this, or I'm bad at this, or that went well, or that went lousy, or I didn't like it, or I'm not good at it, or this isn't for me. Just let all of that go in one ear and out the other. And we define success just by we show up. We're just present to the best of our ability before God. And even when your mind wanders, don't even worry about it. The point is just to be present before God. Now, I think we're ready. There are four exercises that I have for you. The first is breathing prayer. This is an ancient form of contemplative prayer. We hear a lot in our culture right now about mindfulness from a secular perspective or meditation from a Buddhist perspective. And many followers of Jesus, in particular in the Protestant tradition, don't realize we have this rich, ancient heritage of contemplative prayer where people use the breath, followers of Jesus use the breath as a way just to come to presence in the moment. You just begin, you just settle in, you get to your quiet place, Place, your time, you take some deep breaths and begin to just notice your breathing and use that even as a form of prayer. It's just coming to presence in the moment, present to God, present to your body, present to your mind, and deeper than that to your soul. The ancients would call this praying without words, where you just sit. Think of St. John of the Cross, who said the language that God hears best is silent love. You just sit there in silent love with your attention and your affection directed at God as his affection and attention is directed at you. And you just begin to use this at the beginning of your day or the end of your day or all through your day to slow down and come to rest in God. The next exercise is feeling and listening prayer. You know, we all have emotions, and not all of them are pleasant or positive. And often, in particular in our culture, what we do with the unpleasant emotions is we just stuff them or deny them or distract ourselves or ignore them or self-medicate. But emotions are actually a core part of our soul, and for many of us, they are where we meet with God. This is one of the main lessons of the Psalms in the middle of the Library of Scripture. And so in this exercise, you basically come to quiet and you let yourself feel. You just let whatever emotions are under the surface of your busy life come to the top and you just notice them. You just see what you see. You watch what you watch. This is called mind sight, right, in a secular kind of frame. You just think about what you think about and you notice whatever comes to the surface and you just name it without judgment. Oh, that's envy. That's insecurity. That's fear. That's bitterness. Whatever it is, positive or negative, you let it come to the surface And then you use it as a meeting place with God. And either just release it, let it go. I think of my Ignatian friends that write about indifference, where, not indifference in the negative sense, but where you let go of the need for life to be the way you want it, 
in order to live at peace and at joy and at love. And you just let whatever comes, come, and you be grateful for all. Or you go the opposite direction and you partner right with kind of King David in the Psalms, or I think of Moses or Abraham or Jacob, and you wrestle with God. You argue with God, you pray, you petition, you lay out your case for why you want God to do something or change your life or your emotions. Both have an ancient, strong, biblical precedent for you to lead into. Third exercise is Lectio Divina. Don't worry if you're not familiar with that language. It's Latin language. It's ancient. It just means sacred reading. And it's a way of reading the library of Scripture. There's more than one way to read the Bible. There's reading large chunks of the Bible at once, kind of read through a Bible in a year. There's Bible study where you pay attention to the text of the Greek or the Hebrew or the history of the theology. There's teaching where you sit under a teacher. And then there's Lectio Divina, which is one of my favorites, where you read the Bible slowly a very small section, and you read it more than once, two, three, four times, and you meditate on it in the language of Psalm 1. If you've ever read Psalm 1, it's Lectio Divina in a psalm. And you just notice for any word or phrase or idea that comes kind of to the surface of the text, and just some would say it shimmers, meaning something in your heart is just drawn, there's an attention in you that, ah, I noticed that. When I do this with my kids around the dinner table, I'll just say, what did you notice? And each person will share, oh, that line or that idea or that was really interesting. Just some kind of connection with your heart and you let God speak to you through the text and by the Spirit. The last exercise is just a retreat where you do any of this stuff or whatever is on your heart, but just for an extended period of time. There's only so much you can do in 10 or 15 minutes before you rush out the door to your day. And many teachers of the way of Jesus, and I would put myself in this as well, would really encourage you on a regular basis, say once a quarter or at least once or twice a year, to just take a day or even just a half day to get away on retreat, pray, journal, rest, nap, lay your life before God, listen to the voice of God, in your life and set it all before him. Now, I think that's enough to get you started. If you don't have it already, go to my website, download How to Unhurry to begin your practice of silence and solitude. Cool. Let's just practice it right now. Let's just do it. Um, thanks, Cam. Beautiful. Well, because I think this is, this is probably one of the ones that will rub against the grain more than any. Because life is noisy, right? There's, there's always something vying for our attention and our focus. And um, I remember the first time, have you ever, ever worn like noise-canceling headphones, like the one that go over your ears, and then you flick a switch and it cancels out every bit of ex- external? Who's worn those before? Anybody? How freaky is the first time? Because normally there's a muffle, right, where you put headphones on and you can sort of hear stuff going on vaguely around you, but then you flick a switch and all of a sudden it's just like... And it's like this is awkwardly silent. This is so... It's almost deafening silence, the, the juxtaposition of that feeling. And I think that's because we are so used to noise. We, we go to sleep with... Um, there's apps now that just have bubbling brooks playing in our ears so we can even go to sleep in silence with noise. And we wake up and, and there's just noise all around us. So this, this 
Christ-following practice of silence and solitude is probably going to be something that's going to take us a while to fully embrace and, and, and settle in with and ride with. But I'd love, babe, for you to share some thoughts around this. That, um, it's been really interesting, actually, the more and more that we've been reading and specifically they put them in silencing chambers because what happens when you get to space is it is so silent that it actually brings up anxiety in people because they actually aren't used to the silence to the point where they can hear their blood pumping in their body they can hear their tendons creaking and the skin moving over their muscles the legit and so they actually have to spend multiple training sessions with people preparing for it because we think often that we're sitting in silence but we're not we actually don't really know what silence is anymore and so that it's like you're saying it's actually quite bizarre and the first thing to arise is anxiety because it's like i'm not i can't cope with the, yeah. the quiet mm. the silence and oftentimes, we're like, oh, I'm guilty of this too. We'll go, I'm going to have some quiet time, and the first thing we do Everyone is chuck headphones really on with worship music, and right and we call it quiet time, and and we'll justify it, saying, oh, but it's like Jesus is with me all the time. I don't need to be in absolute silence. But I kind of think this is this is a practice, and we do see this practice in Jesus. He would go away to solitude, silent places to pray, and. Um, and I think it's, it's the reason silence is so important, especially in, in 2020, is because of the, the reasons we just mentioned about how life is so loud. Like there is just so many things yelling at us every single day, every screen we look at, every place we go. And, and the, the scriptures describe God's voice as, as a whisper. And so it's not as a, as a loud, um, clanging symbol that's trying to compete with everything else in this world for our attention or affection. God's voice is actually a whisper. And so we need to have a desire to get away from the, the noise of the world and have literal silence in order to allow the, to hear, exactly, to hear that still, small voice. And so, um, yeah, I think that's a very important interesting actually the more and more that we've been reading and listening to about this whole idea and an interesting thing that came up was that NASA when they're training um, people to go to space they actually have to train people specifically they put them in silencing chambers because what happens when you get to space is it is so silent that it actually brings up anxiety in people because they actually aren't used to the silence to the point where they can hear their blood pumping in their body, they can hear their tendons creaking and skin, yeah, the legit. And so they actually have to spend multiple training sessions with people preparing them for it because we think often that we're sitting in silence, but we're not. We actually don't really know what silence is anymore. And so that, it's like you're saying, it, it's actually quite bizarre. And the first thing to arise is anxiety because it's like I'm not, I can't cope with the, the quiet silence. Yeah. Nothing for me to pick up or 
micro moments I think are good absolutely I think and I like what he's talking about too about the I guess you call the macro moments those those which which I love that he he said you know start where you are not where you think you should be like I love that like it's like so often we go yeah I need to make a change and I need to be praying two hours a day and that might last for the first 15 minutes of the first time you do that and after that it's like I never pray again because it's exactly but there is this practice has no success has no fail the the, the, the true measure the true metric of, of success if you like in this yeah. even though I said there is no success is is the fact that we are just present yeah. and, the other and available thing that to, I was to hear God's voice about and the other day was, um, um, if, if we have all the intention the to do it for half an hour it lasts three minutes we had three minutes don't the happen three through the day anymore that's, that's that this is the we first generation where we don't have those but I think micro too, like, moments I think we could all find in the day because of the invasion of technology somewhere so we might like, be sitting in a waiting room and the first thing we do say that no one's doing anything between three and three ten a.m. any day of the week so you know if you wanted to there's time no don't do that but even in midst of our busy I think it's important just to have that discipline. Oh, we go. 10 and I actually, minutes, 15 minutes I mean, of silence and solitude, which I know as a parent and me, as a kid, it can be incredibly Monday, tricky. And I, thought, and I guess I'm we need to be creative and just have a, a can-do attitude rather than rather than this won't work for me attitude. I think if we have a this won't work for me attitude, then it will never work for you. It's like Henry Ford said, you either can or you can't. Both times you're wrong. Depends on how you how you approach it. And so I think if we have that, I can do this attitude. Then that allows creativity to to rise up in us about where we can find that 10 or the minutes. weather or whatever. Um, and even and in so that 10, I want you to just talk briefly if you can on that. Let's say we, had, let's we get that 10 minutes and, and he talked about I'm like, no, allowing I'm trying things to minimize to the, the amount of time that I use my phone. What are your thoughts on that? my smartphone into a dumb phone almost so that there's actually nothing for me to pick up and look at that's very interesting at all. I can use it to call and text or whatever, but trying to change that habit. If I want to check my email, I go to a computer and it's not always convenient, but it's this habit that I'm trying to break of constantly picking up my phone for something. What, have I got an email? What's the weather doing? How much rain's going to fall? Like, what's happening in the tennis or whatever it is? It's like removing those um, reasons to to pick it up and create more of those little moments in the day. And then you feel like you failed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, we don't want to do that. 
that I'm experiencing change in the atmosphere. So we have to be aware that everywhere we go, we carry an atmosphere, and what kind of atmosphere do we carry? Do we want to carry the presence of God with us everywhere we go, or do we want to be constantly blowing things on social media about how upset I am about this, how the bad day about this, or you know what I mean? Like you're constantly just like <laughs> reacting to everything that happens. But when we come into that place with Jesus, we have this opportunity to just leave it. We let him speak to us. And then we go out. And we do have an impact on the world around us. We can say full of the spirit of God and the presence of God. Yeah. So good. Well, um, so good. They're saying yeah. too that the, the, the opposite of this we, contemplative we, life and we, contemplative prayer is actually reaction. The noise, so the opposite we live of from the, the service of the service, um, or we live from the deep having that contemplative well, life giving God well is not the, the doing, doing, God. doing. The opposite, and, and, and if we don't do that, well is we become reactionary. And so, um, the business, the, 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 you know, the rush we're all human. And, and so sometimes and, and we might it's go confronting, into that like you're saying, like when, when we're in those moments, going, I am um, frustrated. We can, we can feel I am so scared. And so unrighteous, I am angry right? that that happened. I'm offended that that person did go, that to me. Uh, the, the but emotions it gives us we get, this opportunity we, we, this, for I should all be feeling uplifted. I should be feeling out, awesome. I should be feeling great. About that, but, but sometimes the Holy Spirit will start to take things that are deep rooted in our heart and then bring it to the surface of our imagination because for once He's got our undivided attention and He can actually help us deal with these things of anger or bitterness. Or wisdom, hurt or offence or whatever, we and so we have these the moments to allow those feelings to rise. We embrace those feelings, we acknowledge those feelings, but then what we do is we take those things once we've identified them, and like Scripture says, we surrender um, it to Christ. We don't then react. And we say, Jesus, we thank you that on the cross you've taken that from me. I release that over to you to live a life wisdom, free from like that said. thing that you've brought to my attention, and, uh, which I'm only made aware of because I made myself positioned to hear from you. You know, as human beings, we're conduits of spirituality. Enough grace and to so have those everywhere moments. we go, we carry an atmosphere. And so this is what silence and so that's and why someone might walk into a room and they are angry. And all of a sudden, these moments to hear it puts everyone on eggshells the because they've walked in with and that atmosphere and they've the changed the atmosphere in the room. God reminds us about who we are in Christ. So we have to be aware that everywhere we go, we carry an atmosphere. And what I thought we do is have kind of atmosphere do we want to carry? Do we want to carry so the presence the, of God with us everywhere we the, go? The, the or do we want to be constantly um, blurting things on social media week, about how upset I am about this and having a bad day about, about this? Issues, or, um, we we um, could probably talk about this for hours. You know what I mean? Like you're constantly but, just um, like... <laughs> I would encourage you if you want to grab the book, go grab reacting that book. Reacting to um, everything that happens. It's epic. But when we I will come into that place once we destroy the demon of technology that's attacking our church of last month that has held captive our Wi-Fi have an impact on the world around the last us four weeks. Um, we will have a printout of, of all these things in detail about silence and solitude, about stuff, so we'll give that to you. Um, but for, for now, each week, we want to just watch these brief videos, have a little discussion at the back end, and then every week we want to take communion together, and we want to bring Jesus into this space in our life. And thank you so much. Um, and ask the question, all right, Jesus, what do you, what do you want for this? What do you want for this area of my life? And, and so first and foremost, we, we do this. We take the bread, we take the juice because it represents 
what Jesus has done for us, his sacrifice on the cross, that he, he died the death that you and I deserve because of our sin, and he took that full punishment on the cross for us, and the, the juice represents his blood that was spilt, symbolizing, you know, what he, he had paid the ultimate price for us, and so we come and we drink and we eat with thanks, thankful hearts, remembering him, but it's got to be more than just remembering an event, it's remembering the legacy that we now live in as a result of that event. And so what I want us to do is, funnily enough, have a moment of silence and solitude, as difficult as that might be with the kids crazy in the background, but it's okay. We love that noise. That's a good noise. And let's think about, first of all, the beauty of Jesus and the bigness of what he's done for us and thank him, sincerely thank him. And let's take it further from just an event we're remembering, an event we're thankful for, but a legacy we're now living into. And go, all right, God, how can I, in my life, with my schedule, with my demands, with my lifestyle, how do I create enough margin in my world to have moments of silence and solitude with you? And I want us to actually think about a day of the week and a time and even a place. Some of us, you might have a, a prayer room that you can go to and you can sit and you can shut the door and it can be just you and God. Others, like us, live in a very small house with three kids and maybe we have to get out, go to the beach or go for a bushwalk or whatever. Sometimes I just drive around in my car. I just love the silence of sitting in the car. And but I want, I want us all to identify where we can carve out 10, 15 minutes. And maybe it's two or three days a week. Maybe it's not every day. Maybe we start small and lead to something bigger. But I think the point is just starting, initiating, and engaging with this way of Jesus, this practice, this ancient practice of silence and solitude. So for the next minute, I'm not going to speak. I'm just going to sit, contemplate, Allow things to come up in our mind, but be thankful for Jesus and find space for him. Why don't we just stay in this moment of contemplation with our eyes closed and mindful of of God. And as as this service does come to a close, I, I would love just to create just a moment and opportunity for anybody who's never made that decision to follow Jesus. Thanks for tuning in to the C3CH podcast. We trust this week's message inspired and encouraged you. We hope to see you in one of our services soon. For more information on C3 Church Coffs Harbour, visit www.c3ch.com.